Pastor Ray Bentley wants to know who you're living to please. Do you care more what people think of you and their opinion is of you? Or do you care more about what your Father in Heaven thinks? There are some that will say, you're too serious. And then you start lightening up and they go, well, now you're being too silly. You're having too much fun. And essentially, there are people who basically want God to dance to their own tune. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Our culture seems to love godless conformity. The wilder and weirder are celebrated. The devoted and compassionate are ignored or derided. So we have a choice. Embrace the world and what it offers, or embrace God and His values and rewards. Today, help in making the right choice. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at a few more verses as we go through this amazing Gospel of Luke. And the, uh, the message is dancing to the Lord's tune. And you'll see in some famous words of Jesus about, and the Lord comes in a variety of ways to us and, and he, he will do anything to grab our attention. He loves us so much. And uh, we're also gonna look at John the Baptist who was at a time of great puzzlement and great discouragement. He didn't understand the, what God was doing in his life. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place, or maybe you're in that place tonight, where you are, are wondering, why, Lord, what, what are you doing? I, I don't understand how you're working. And um, if that is, is you, then the Lord is gonna speak to you directly tonight. All right, Luke chapter seven, beginning in verse 18, reading in the new section, it says, then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, the Baptist now, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? John the Baptist is actually in prison at this time. Now, John is asking, being in prison, he has sent some disciples to where Jesus is now ministering. And you remember John's ministry was huge. Um, there, there were literally thousands and thousands of people coming. They weren't going to the synagogue or for that matter even to the temple so much as they were going into the wilderness to hear a prophet. There had not been a prophet, the voice of a prophet in nearly, you know, 400 years. It's a long time, would you agree? Now John the Baptist begins to preach a message of repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that means it's as close as the hand in front of your face. There is one coming that I am preparing the way for. I am not worthy to unloose the sandals from off his feet. And so John began to baptize them and, and to get into the Jordan River and to repent, to admit that even if they wanted to, they couldn't fulfill the law, they weren't living up to the law, they were not walking in righteousness, that they were sinners. It was very, very simple. The religious leaders, many of them, 
would not humble themselves to admit they were sinners. Not that if you would have asked them, they would have said, why follow the law perfectly, but they would have said, my following of the law is sufficient for God. John was basically saying, no, we're all sinners. You do need to repent. There was a great division then about whether you should go with John's baptism or, or not. And as I said, the poor and the humble and the honest said, yeah, I'm a sinner. I need to, I need to repent. But the self-righteous said, no, they did not. One day while John was baptizing, Jesus came up to him and said, I want to be baptized by you. And John intuitively said, no, but you should baptize me. Jesus, looking into John's eyes, said, no, but that all things might be fulfilled. John, you must baptize me. And so John took Jesus, baptized him, and that word baptized means to fully immerse. It means to be drenched from head to toe. Jesus was taken down into the water, and he came up out of the water, and as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, John looked up and he saw a dove descending from heaven, and this dove came down. It was the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove and rested upon Jesus. And God had spoken to John while he was praying out in the wilderness, saying, the one upon whom you see the sign of the dove of my spirit descend, he is the one. John, in baptizing Jesus, saw the sign, and from that moment he pointed to him and said, I must decrease, he must increase, go and follow him. And some of John's disciples began to follow him. Now, John's ministry really at that moment, it wasn't long after that, he was arrested because he had said that Herod was living in a, an adulterous relationship, he gets thrown in prison. He was deeply discouraged and for his humanity, his feelings took over, though his mind could certainly remember, I saw the sign, yes, I saw the dove, but you know, why am I here? Why am I in prison? And John, probably like the other disciples of Jesus, was probably anticipating that the immediate kingdom of God would come. He knew that Jesus could do miracles. He's probably wondering, okay, Jesus, come, get me out of prison, deliver me from Herod, overthrow the Romans. Yeah, so, his question, are you the Messiah, was not so much a question as it was an urging of, since I know you are the Messiah, let's get it going. Let's get the kingdom happening. Come, deliver me. Let's get moving. The fact that Jesus did not immediately establish the kingdom, overthrow Herod and the Romans, gave John some second thoughts. And even if John did know, and yet he is struggling in this way, Jesus responds. When now, where Jesus is ministering, imagine this, some disciples come up, they were of John. And by the way, John's ministry lasted six months. From the time that he began to preach, thousands came, it was a revival that broke out, and he began baptizing first, you know, dozens and then hundreds and then thousands of people. Within six months, he is arrested and shortly thereafter, he lost his life. So his whole ministry was for this brief moment in time. I wonder what God's will is for you or for me. That the ministry that we think, oh, we have an idea of what our ministry will be. God is the one that is in charge. He is on the throne, he rules, he reigns. 
John's ministry lasted approximately six months. Everything in his life was a preparation for that. But now look at Jesus' response as these disciples of John come up to him, beginning in verse 21. It says, in that very hour, he, Jesus, cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. These disciples show up from John, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one? Jesus doesn't immediately respond. He turns around and he goes out ministering to, to all the sick people and healing them and laying hands upon them and, and the glory of God, the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven breaks loose in a powerful way. Jesus doing many, many works, many miracles, many healings. In John chapter 10, verse 25, it's in your notes. Let's read this scripture out loud together. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Rather than defending himself, Jesus let his works defend him. He said, watch this. And he began to perform all these amazing miracles. He said, if you don't believe me because of my words, then believe me because of my works, because only the Lord can do the works that you now see. And so then go and tell John the things that you now, he does it you know, for a while with these disciples of John the Baptist there, they watch and follow along in amazement and wonderment at the miracles Jesus performs. And then he tells them, you go back to John and tell him what you have just seen with your eyes and what you have heard with your own ears. And the works that Jesus did in their presence were the very works that were prophesied by Isaiah the prophet that the Messiah would fulfill. They were messianic signs. One of the passages is Isaiah 35. And we don't have time to go there and to read that, but you can read that. And it talks about the lame that are leaping, those who are cleansed and those who are healed by the power of the Messiah. So I want you to note this. Jesus ministered to John's discouragement really by pointing him to the scriptures. Look at what I'm doing, John. I'm fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah said the Messiah would do. Jesus knew that John was discouraged. Jesus also knew that John knew the word. He knew Isaiah. He knew the scriptures. He knew the prophecies that God had declared in his word of when the Messiah comes, these things will happen. And in essence, Jesus' works pointed John, who was back in prison, back to the word of God. It's happening, John. The kingdom is coming. It is being manifest. It is being displayed. And I love this. In verse 23, look with me again in verse 23. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus, in essence, is saying, John, you and anyone else like you will be blessed if you do not fall away because you are disappointed in the way I am choosing to work. In other words, Jesus was fulfilling the word. He was fulfilling the prophecies. He just wasn't doing it the way John thought he would. 
The kingdom wasn't coming the way he had imagined or that he had anticipated. Have you ever found that to be true in your own life? And then the Lord comes and you say, but I thought that if I started to, you know, become a real disciple, I thought that if I began actually reading my Bible every day, I thought that if I began to get serious about my prayer life and began making sacrifices, that this would happen and that you would do that. And the Lord says, hey, you know what? I am the one that is in charge and I will fulfill my word when I want, how I want, the way I want and at my beck and call and my choosing and not by yours. And surely the truth is that John is not the only one who has felt discouraged or puzzled by the way God sometimes chooses to work. God doesn't work the way we think he will. He certainly has his own sense of timing and his own application of the word. And you know, there are some, Jesus said, tell John, do not fall away because of me. Translation, tell John, don't fall away from believing just because I'm not doing it the way he thought or expected it to come. Truly, blessed is the man or woman who does not fall away on account of Jesus. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray has meant to them. Pastor Ray is greatly missed. He was an anointed man of God, and we take comfort in our Lord and Savior as Ray is rejoicing in heaven with Jesus and all the heavenly hosts singing glory to God. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Look at verse 24. It says, when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to them. Well, actually, go back to verse 22. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. There might have been some that said, wow, we have a big prophet guy, and now he's in prison and he loses his faith. Huh, I guess he wasn't all that. Jesus turns around to rebuke them. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? In other words, he's he's acting in them, probably many of them who had seen John. Was he a weakling? Was he a wimp? (laughs) That's what he means by a, 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 a reed shaken by the wind. And they would have gone, no. John was not a reed shaken by the wind. A man clothed in soft garments? No. Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury, are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see, a prophet? Everybody would say, oh yeah. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Here it is that who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John, in essence, represents the end of the old covenant, the law. And Jesus is now saying, I have come to bring the new covenant. And the least in the kingdom 
of the new covenant is greater in position, not in character, but in a greater position than the greatest of the old covenant. He puts John in a category above Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, or any of the prophets. Of all those who have gone up until now that represent the old covenant, John, Jesus said, is the greatest. But under the new covenant, the least in the new covenant is in a position of a greater intimacy and relationship with the Father. Because we're no longer under a legal relationship, we're in a loving relationship. And, and our heavenly Father is literally our daddy, and the Spirit cries out, Abba, Daddy, and he says, yes, son, yes, daughter. We have this beautiful relationship with him. It's interesting that Jesus used a question about John's baptism. They came up to him one time and, and uh, they were asking him questions and Jesus said, I'll answer your question if you answer me this. Was John's baptism of man or was it of God? So here's all these religious leaders. They began murmuring among themselves and they said, if we say that it is of man, because they didn't like John's baptism. John was saying they needed to repent and they were saying, we don't need to repent. We follow the law, we're righteous were sufficient. But they knew that the people thought he was a prophet. So if they said it was of man, he's just making up his own way, the people would be angry, really angry with him and reject them. So they said, well, we can't say that. But if they said that his baptism was of God, then Jesus would say, well, why didn't you go down into the Jordan River, humble yourselves, admit your sinners and get baptized by him then? So being trapped either way, afraid of the people and their reputation or afraid of the fact that they never did humble themselves to get baptized, they came back and they said, we can't answer your question. And Jesus said, well, if you can't answer my question, then I don't feel like I need to answer yours either. And so they left them stunned. He didn't engage them, didn't talk to them. It's interesting, not only the people that Jesus did talk to, but it's also interesting who he did not talk to. For instance, uh, if you did a study on the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what all did Jesus have to say to Herod? Not very much. Really nothing at all. Herod wasn't interested in the truth. And so, here is John the Baptist, who has given his answer. Now look with me in verse 28. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. So here's all the sinners. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. They demonized him. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. This is sad because what Jesus is saying is that God has come to you in two very different ways, two very different personalities. Through John the Baptist, nobody actually lived a more religious, holy, humble, righteous life. And, and you know what they did? And Jesus said there's none greater. 
None holier or more righteous or closer to God under the old covenant than John the Baptist. And what did they say? He has a demon. They demonized him. Jesus comes, going to the parties, eating with the sinners, tax collectors, publicans, so forth. And, and they say, oh, well, he's loose and lazy and, and he, he doesn't even try to follow the law. So basically what Jesus is saying is that God has come to you in a variety of ways and nothing satisfies you. And there are people who will find fault no matter what. There are some people who will try to find fault with you no matter what. And sometimes you hear, uh, you know, you hear a lot of criticisms and um, you, you have to say, who do I want to have believe what I am saying and what I believe? I, I want my father to believe me, amen? Do you care? And I leave you with this question. Do you care more what people think of you and their opinion is of you? Or do you care more about what your Father in Heaven thinks of you? Father in Heaven. How many vote for Father in Heaven? It's not going to be easy. There are some that will say, you're too serious. You need to lighten up. And then you start lightening up and they go, well, now you're being too silly. You're having too much fun. There are some that will say, your sermon is too doctrinal. And so then you go toward a, a more palatable approach and they say, well, your sermon is too simple. There are others who criticize Christians, ah, they're too dull. And so then they begin loosening up, enjoying life, sharing in love, and they go, well, now you're too silly and too frivolous. And essentially there are people who basically want God to dance to their own tune. And that's why the Lord used this analogy. He basically says, man, I played the flute for you. You didn't respond to that. I, I, I went in the dirge and, and tried to bring out that and there was no response. And basically, there is this feeling of frustration that you are all so wrapped up in yourself that you can't see anything beyond yourself. And you know what? It's hard to have a relationship with another person that only wants a relationship with themselves. You can be so selfish with, with a, a, a another person that there really isn't a relationship. The relationship is only what you want, when you want it, how you feel, what you desire, and if they dance around you when at your beck and whim, you have a relationship. The moment there's any you know, offer on the other side, it never happens. That's not a relationship. It takes two to have a relationship. And so sin had dulled their hearts, sin had deadened their conscience, Sin had killed, in essence, their spirit. Grace binds the broken, mercy soothes the soul, and love heals all wounds. Basically, it's not about you, but it's about the Lord. And in letting God into the window and the door of your soul, then you can have a relationship. That's why being a disciple is about surrendering, sharing your will with the will of the Father, sharing your mind, sharing your heart, sharing your emotions, sharing everything within you and letting Him in. That's what a relationship is all about. Amen? Pastor Ray Bentley pointing out the importance of surrender in our walk with the Lord. Good insight today here on Maranatha Radio. Now today's study is titled, Dancing to the Lord's Tune. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley, 
www.pastorraysmedia.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.